page scripture comes from the book of Proverbs, verse chapter 17, verse 17, chapter 18, verse 24, chapter 27, verses 5 and 6. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born of adversity. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. This is the reading of God's word. Um, can everybody hear me okay? Last week, uh, people were complaining that they couldn't hear me um, from the thing. Maybe you should move in the front if you can't hear in the back. <laughs> but um, I, I'll try to uh, emphasize uh, the voice a little bit more. Um, so uh, today, we're, we're gonna, not just today, but also next week, we'll be talking about, I think, not just a, a very common subject matter, but I think also very interesting and important for, for many of us, and that is on the subject of friendship. If you came to the retreat, if you were at the retreat, if you remember our speaker, Harold, uh, one of the messages he talked about was friends. Now, we didn't collaborate on what messages we were gonna do, but it just coincided, because if you remember, we talked about discipleship first, right? What it means to follow Jesus. And we talked about what it means to follow Jesus in a community how we relate to one another, how we have concern for each other's growth, uh, each other's uh, spiritual well-being. Um, we require humility. We require concern for the other, even when we've been offended. Do you remember that? And then we talked a little bit about community and sometimes that in the community, no matter what community it is, there's always going to be some kind of conflict. There's, there will always be a little bit of uh, what the Bible calls enmity or hate. And we talked about what it means to be a hater and uh, what the gospel does to, to address that so that we might live in a kind of unity that we, outside the church, would never do, okay? And uh, as we're moving forward here, what we're talking now is about relationships, which we call friends. Next week, and it's, this is, I know next week we have a women's meeting, but next week is, it's not just for women. There is something that uh, the whole church, I think, we want to provide so that we can do a couple of things. Number one, uh, we need a program where you can deepen your relationships with friends, all right? There's three things that we need. We need to address our heads, what we understand about God and ourselves. We also need to address our hearts, what we feel, what emotions we go through. And then we also address our hands, what we do and how we serve, head, heart, and hands. And in the, co in the course of the program, we need to understand that everyone has friends, but Christian friendship ought to have a purpose when we meet, a structure, and that's what we want to see. And so as we lead up to this, as we deepen friendships and learn what that means, what I want to do is talk about friendships and talk about what those relationships are. Uh, Linda just read for us three passages, three verses in the book of Proverbs. Uh, you've heard these before, but... If I were to ask you this question, uh, what are friends to you? Who, who are your friends today? What kind of friend are you, right? What kind of friend are you? And many of us might think, well, we have a lot of friends. Well, we have church friends, and we have work friends, and we have school friends, and maybe family friends. We have even childhood friends, right? People we've known for so long. But what exactly uh, does a friend mean to you? What, what is friendship? What does it mean to be a friend? 
And so what I want to do is I want to address that, not just friendship in general, but friendship from a church perspective or from a Christian perspective. And in the church, what we need to do today is we need to DTR. Remember DTR? Define the relationship. I'm dating myself, but you know, back in the day when you were friends with the opposite sex and you're not quite sure what was going on and spending a little too much time and you say, hey, let's DTR. Let's define the relationship. Let's see what this really is, right? And so as a church, as a community, that's what we're going to do. We need to do a collective DTR about the concept of friendship among believers. What does the real thing look like? How do we pursue and maintain real friendships? What is the goal of such friendships? And perhaps more basically, what should be the center of a godly friendship? What common interests? What, what hobbies? What shared sensibilities? What physical proximity? What similar stage of life? What is it that really makes our friends? What makes a friend a friend? So three things I want us to see here from just three of these verses. We need to, first of all, we really need to appreciate friendship. Really need to appreciate friendship. Second thing, we need to understand oftentimes how we make those friends. How do we make those friends? And thirdly, I'm going to give you two characteristics, just two today, maybe two next week. Two characteristics, what I think the Bible says, or the Proverbs are saying, are good characteristics of a good friend. Now, I don't know if you've ever read Proverbs, but Proverbs is one of those weird books where if you try reading it, it's like every verse is like, it's like a, a fortune cookie. Uh, you know, you come out and you read it, and it's, it tells you something that sounds kind of wise. Uh, but the book of Proverbs, its genre is wisdom. It's what we call wisdom literature, right? Now, when you read wisdom literature, like Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, they're called wisdom literature. You know why? The thing about wisdom is this. When you read wisdom literature, it's not telling you what is morally right or wrong. Wisdom is not knowing about what what the morally right thing to do is. Wisdom is different. It's not less than morality. It's more. Wisdom is knowing what the right thing to do, what the best thing to do in the reality of a real-life situation where sometimes just knowing what's morally right and wrong doesn't apply. So, for example, you know, there are some uh, morality issues with regards to marriage. Well, this is the right thing and this is the wrong thing. But the Bible never gives you the the, the direction to say, hey, you should marry this person or you should marry that person. It, It doesn't do that. It requires wisdom. And it doesn't, you know, really address what's morally right or wrong. So, for example, two people can agree uh, and, and, and know what is morally right and wrong, but they make completely different decisions on the same issue. What's the right thing to do in situations that morality can't seem to answer? That's what wisdom is. That's what Proverbs is. And it's very helpful if we really take the time to understand it. And here's what I think. Here's the first point. I think Proverbs was saying this. Number one, friends are more important than you actually think. Friends are more important than you actually think. Those of you who have kids, your kids know this. They're always talking about who is your what? BFF. (laughs) Who's your best friend? You know this if you're a parent, no matter how good the program is, no matter how great the activity is, no matter what the content of that is, if there are no friends for them, eight, nine out of ten times, they don't want to go. Right? 
You know, when you're little, you take trips with your kids and they go everywhere with you and it looks like they have fun, but when they get older, what happens? You take the same trips and they're saying, it's so boring, it's so boring. But guess what? They'll do the same thing with their friends, the exact same thing, and they'll come back saying, it was so fun. (laughs) What's the difference? It's friends. It's friends. Oftentimes in the early stages of our life, it's your family that kind of forwards you do, for better or for worse, right? But as you get older, and if you know, if you have teenagers, you know this the case, your friends influence you more than family. Better or worse. Proverbs 18 verse 24 says this, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Sticks closer than a sister, closer than a sibling. I think Proverbs in this verse is saying this. There are times where friends are better than family. Better than family? Now today in our culture, that might make sense for some people in our, in our culture today. But if you're a family-oriented person, that's kind of a crazy thing to say. Friend, more important, better than family? How so? But what you have to understand is, in the culture of Proverbs, it was extremely family-oriented. Extreme Family was everything for them. There was nothing else. You had rights, responsibilities, and duties to your blood family. Now, family members can be friends. Siblings can be friends. And friends can sometimes feel like family. But there's a difference What way is a friend better, right, sticks closer than a brother or sister, than a sibling? Okay, think about this. Here's why friendship is different. Your family is family because of blood. And when there's trouble in your life, when trouble happens, A good family, they should be, they ought to be, they have to be there for you. They have to be, because there's family. You know, know my relationship with my sister, it's gotten better ever since my dad's birthday. We're back on texting terms now, we're talking, I'm trying to keep the peace. Um, But does this mean that we're BFF? (laughs) No, I'm I'm sorry to say we're not. Maybe later, I don't know, but, but we're not. The thing about family is that they're your family, but it doesn't always mean you like everyone in your family. And it doesn't mean that they always like you, right? You love your family, but if you wanted to go get a drink and have a beer with someone, it might not be the first thing that comes to your mind, a brother or your sister. It might be a friend, right? Blood is thicker than water, they say. And it's blood that ought to stick your family together. But Proverbs 18 says, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother or sister. Blood isn't the one that sticks friends together. Then what sticks friends together that's closer than family? The word stick here literally means to cleave. it's, It's the same word used in Hebrew for marriage when husband and wife get together. It's a commitment. But what kind of commitment does friends have? It's not blood. It's not by filial loyalties. The only reason gotta be, it has to be passionate love. See, 
Friendships are, are different because it brings something that, that family doesn't always bring. It, it, friendships can bring something that romance relationships don't bring. Some friends can bring things that even neighborly love can't do. Friendship, I think, Proverbs, the way it sees it, it's different. It's not biological, this relationship. It's not family. It's not sociological, like where you have an obligation to fellow citizens, like in a communistic group or government. There, there's no obligation. There's no requirement to be friends. Friends, unlike every other human relationship, is something you choose. It's the only relationship that has to be intentional, deliberate, deliberate. It's something you choose. You don't choose family. I don't get to choose my sister or my brother or, or, or my children. They're given to me. But friends is something you voluntarily choose to do and to be. So Proverbs, wisdom literature, not about wrong or right, but what's wise, seems to be saying here, therefore, Choose your friends wisely. Why? Because for Proverbs, having good friends is more important than you think. It's more important than you think. Proverbs 18, 24, a man may have many companions, but still come to ruin. But there's a friend who sticks closer to a brother. You can have a lot of friends, a lot of acquaintances, a lot of companions. But when trouble comes in your life, there is that one friend that sticks closer to you than family. A friend, Proverbs 17, 17, loves when? Loves when? At all times. All times. In fact, in especially the Christian life, in the Christian community, Proverbs seems to be saying this. If you don't have good friends, you won't make it. You won't make it in the Christian life. If you think you can, that's just not wise. It's in your best interest to have good friends. Now, what do we do? You might agree with me on this. Or you may not, it's up to you, I don't really care. But um, of all of our human relationships, if friends are important, of all of our human relationships, think about this, it's probably the friendship one that gets put on the back burner. If we say it's so important, I bet you, eight, nine out of 10 times, it's your friends that get put on the back burner. Why? Two reasons. Number one, you're busy. You are busy people. You've got people at work to deal with. You've got people at school to deal with. You've got to deal with people in your family, those relationships. You've got to deal with people maybe in your neighborhood or in your town, right? And maybe if you are pursuing romance, right, you've got to deal with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. But friends, guess what? They oftentimes are the last people on your list that you see. That relationship, in terms of time, in terms of effort, in terms of intentionality, always gets pushed out. It always gets put on the back burner. Why? Well, because one, we're too busy. We're dealing with family people. I got no time to hang. I'm married now. I've got kids. Uh, I got work people. I'm networking. I'm doing business dinners. Uh, I've got romance people. I'm trying to get married. I'm trying to, you know, kindle a flame. All these relationships, all of them are, don't get me wrong, they are great. They are necessary, unavoidable. Some of them, they're legitimate. But honestly, they get in the way sometimes, makes it hard to nurture real friends. Why? Because friendship requires time. 
And time, for many of us, is something we don't have. Between work, between classes, between family commitments, we're too busy. That's a reason. It's always on the back burner. But the second reason is this, and here's the irony. Even though we're really busy, we still want real friends. We still want good friends. Nobody says, I want a bad friend. Nobody says, I want a fake friend. We want good friends. But not only are we busy, here's the thing, listen carefully. We are also creatures of comfort and ease. And let's be honest, most of us, we don't like relationships that demand much from us. Just listening to this friend takes a lot of effort. But then listen to their burdens and problems? I'm not sure if I want to get entangled in this one. Because one, I'm not sure what I would say. But two, it's so draining. And three, go back to reason one, I'm just too busy. With family, with work, with school, so on and so forth. So what do we usually do with our friend people? Here's what we do. We digitize them. We digitize them. Hey, I'll text you. Right? Hey, I'll DM you. Hey, group chat. Right? Let's do group chat. Okay, fine. FaceTime. Zoom. If anything Zoom has taught us is that although those things are helpful, there's something about physically being present and spending time together that just can't be replaced. But that takes effort. And in a fast-paced, overworked, overscheduled, digital age, for some people, let's be honest, friends are only people they like on Facebook. Now, all that technology can be helpful. But is it real friendship if it's always online? Or is it the illusion of friendship without the demands of real friendship? How important is friendship to you, really? How many times have I heard, oh, we used to be close friends, we used to hang out a lot, but we kind of drifted. And I ask, why? Well, things got busy, life got busy, and the effort wasn't there. But that's okay, because, well, friends come and go, but family is forever. And yet Proverbs is saying, a friend is better than a sibling. You won't have a wise life. You won't make it in the Christian life without good friends. Everywhere it says in Proverbs, you will perish without good friends or the lack of friends or the wrong friends. And so we need to appreciate good friends. We need to appreciate friendship. I know you know it's important, but I think you may not know how important it is to the Bible. Okay? First point. Second point is this. Well, then, uh, how, do we, how do we make friends? How do we make friends? Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer to a brother. So you've got a lot of companions versus that one friend. You can have many acquaintances, many associations, many people you know, but I think what it's saying is, it's rare, it's hard to find that one true friend. 
How do you make friends? You know, I'm going to share a personal story again. Maybe I've shared it before, but every time I do, it always comes back to bite me. There are a few people in our church who like to take my weaknesses and throw them back in my face. And that's fine with me because my identity is in Christ and I am confident in myself. So don't worry about it, but I'm going to do it. You know, growing up, and most of you already know, we, I grew up in the South or in the, in the middle of the states. And I never stayed, we never stayed in one place for more than five years, mostly two or three years. Now imagine this, growing up in the South where no one knew where Korea was, where you're the only Asian in town, in your school as a kid, from, from elementary school and kindergarten all the way even until high school, you never had time to make friends. Because every time you made a friend, you moved. And you grew up as a kid. You know how kids are. Friends are so important. But every time you make friends, you have to go to a completely new state, a completely new school, completely new people every time trying to make that transition. And it bears on you and it bears on you until by the time I got into high school, I stopped. I ate lunch by myself for two years in the cafeteria, just doing my homework and studying. And it's not because I was shy or because I was whatever introverted I was, but it's because I was tired of trying to make friends. Because every time it happens, I have to go, it's too much effort. Right? Now, my, kid, my, my kids call me loser uh, because, because of this. But when I was uh, in Oklahoma for about three or four years, we, I was in a new school, junior high. This is the way I made friends. This is how I made friends. I would go during lunch break, and I would look around, and I would look for that one or two guys that are just kind of all alone, and I would go up to them. Literally, I would go up to them and say, hey, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> do you want to be my friend? Now, now, I'm an introvert. That, you think I'm an introvert? Who does that? Do you want to be my friend? And you know what? What do you say to that? You, you can't say no. I mean, kind of feel mean. So they always say yes. I have no idea who these guys are, but they just seem nice. You know, they seem, you know, there's only a few of them. So I, can, do you want, I would go and I would just straight up ask them, do you want me to be my friend? Why? Because I don't have time. Who knows when I'm going to move again? Do you want to be my friend? We had nothing in common. Nothing to talk about. No, no, no common goals. No, no sense, common sense of humor. No, no common activities. I just wanted a friend. Okay. That's not the way to do it. <laughs> that's, that's not the way to do it. I was telling this to one of my pastor friends, and he goes, hey, mm, that explains a lot. Um, anyways, uh, I was reading this article by Tim Keller, and he points out in Proverbs 27, verse 9, he says this. It says, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. In Proverbs 20, 27, verse 9, the, the author of Proverbs calls friends sweetness. And Keller points out the fact that this, friendship is supposed to be sweet. It's like candy, right? But the thing about this is that when Proverbs was written, there was no sugar. There was no sugar yet. Today, you can make anything taste sweet. Just add a little sugar, maybe it's derivatives, you know, you like Splenda in your coffee, trivia, whatever you use. You can make something sweet today. But back then, you had to find it. You had to discover naturally sweet foods. It says friendships are sweet, right? It's talking about food, but they didn't have sugar. They had to discover naturally sweet foods. Here's the thing that he mentions. Friendship is not made, it's discovered. 
It's found. It's not made. You don't go up to the person and say, hey, you and I, we're going to be friends today. Friendship has to be found. And that means that there's something that it, it starts with. That there was something between two people that you don't just create. A common interest, a common goal, maybe common hobbies, common backgrounds, and you're both passionate about the same thing. You see, here's why friendships are different from romantic relationships. Romantic relationships, two people are always looking at each other, at least in the beginning, right? They're looking at each other. They're talking about each other and their relationship for other, each other. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Oh, you know, back and forth, back, at least in the beginning, right? That's what romantic, they, they talk about and to each other. But friends, they hardly ever talk about their friendship. Hey, are we good friends? That's kind of awkward, right? What do they do? They both talk about something else. Lovers, romance, look at each other. Friends, together, look at something that's common to both. Okay? They look at something else together. What makes a friend a friend is not, oh, do you want to be my friend? But what makes a friend is a common vision. That you see the same thing. That you experience the same thing. Do you, do you know why people in the military, people who've been to war and they come out of that, do you know why they form such tight and extreme strong bonds? Why? Not because they had so much in common with each other, but because in the war they experienced the same thing. Same suffering. Missionaries. All different kinds of people go to missionaries, but when you're in the same place in the same time for so long with the same people, why? You're doing the same thing bonds create. Even sports teams, you play on a football team, right? And you work really hard with the team. You don't have that much in common outside that team, but because you go all the way to the finals and you've put sweat in it and you grind it out together, that experience creates a friendship like nothing else. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, he says this, quote, and it's pretty harsh, but listen carefully. This is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition for having friends is that you would want something else besides friends. If someone asks you, do you see the same truth, and your honest answer is, I really don't care about that, I just want you to be my friend, then no friendship can arise. There will be nothing for the friendship to be about. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers, end quote. Friendship's not just made, it's discovered. And guess what this means? In order for you and I to discover real friends, not just acquaintances, not just companions, not just fellow church members, but real, deep, stick with you through adversity, better than a brother kind of friend, it requires you to open up, and it requires you to be open. It requires you to be open to others, and it requires you to be opening up. And that takes time, it takes effort, sometimes it takes courage and trust, even risk. But unless you let some walls down, you will never find the kind of friend that Proverbs describes. That's what we need to do. Okay, third point. 
First was, we need to appreciate what good friends are. We need to discover those good friends. And secondly, two characteristics I think Proverbs gives us. What makes a good friend? Two characteristics. First one, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. The first one is consistency. A friend loves at all times. Now what does that mean? It doesn't mean you spend all of your time and all of your hours with your BFF. That's not what it means. A friend loves at all times means all kinds of times. Good times, ordinary times, routine times, hard times, difficult times. The point is, they're always around. And they're always there for you. I think you don't have to be a Christian to, to see that's a good thing. They're always around for you. Now, let me be very honest, and let's see if you can be honest with yourself. There are some people, I think, that are friends with you and that you are friends with because they're just useful to you. They're useful to you. Right? Because you're good for having fun. You're good for connecting with other people. You're good for maybe get things done. You're good for romance, for wisdom. You're good to cheer me up. You know, when I used to be to basketball in high school a long time ago, but you know, really into basketball, and I used to go to the, the playground and do some pickup games, and um, you know, just hopefully somebody picks me up. And I was never really good, but I would just wait, wait, and wait. And one time, this team, they asked me to come in and play with them, to join them. I was their fifth man. Here I thought, oh, they're going to pick me because I'm going to make new friends. But the only reason they picked me is because they needed a fifth. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to play. I was useful. I took up space. Now, I'm not saying this is absolutely wrong. Of course, uh, your real friends are also helpful and, and can be useful and all that sort, right? But there can't be real friendships just because they're useful. If that's the only reason, then friendship now isn't the... Friendship isn't it means to an end for you. It's not the end. You're not the end. Your friend is not the end. They're a means to an end. How do you know? Because when something goes wrong, when something goes really dif difficult, when you go through something hard and it feels like everything is falling apart and you're at your lowest of lows, even you know, even you know that you're going to take a lot of effort. Real friends are there. It's not your usability that makes you a friend. It's your availability. Not your usability, if that's a real word. It's your availability. True friends choose to focus on what they give to the other rather than what they get. And they love at all times. Not just during sports, not just during church, not just during work, but all times. Real friends are always there for you. Why? Because they have deliberately, intentionally chose you and made you not a means to an end, but made you the end itself, yourself. So there's consistency, okay? The second character I want to give you is this. What makes a good friend? Not just consistency, but connectedness. Now, when I say connectedness, I'm not talking about social media, all right, that kind of connectedness. I'm talking about something that's also hard for me, emotionally connected. 
You know, in Proverbs 25, verse 20, listen to what he says. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Okay, this is what that Proverbs means. When it says whoever sings a, a song to a heavy heart, the songs they're singing are happy songs to someone who's got a heavy heart. And when you do that, he's saying that's like someone who's cold and you take his clothes off or pouring vinegar on soda, right? One is ascetic, one is basic. You mix them together, both of them are useless, right? Taking off your coat when, when someone is cold is the exact opposite of what a person should do because you're going to be cold. And likewise then, this is what he's saying, a grieving person with a heavy heart needs to grieve and mourn. And they have no use for trying, someone just trying to cheer them up by singing happy songs. As stated in Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice. What, and weep what? Weep with those who weep. And this is what he's saying. Friends, if you're a friend, it means this. It means you just can't be happy and sing when your friend feels heavy. It's the opposite. Because you're connected in some way. Your friend feels heavy, so do you. You just, you just can't go like everything's good. Parents, parents, you know this. Once you start to have children, you realize that for the rest of your life, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. For the rest of your life, you're only going to be happy as your unhappiest child. Why? Because whether you want to or not, you're emotionally connected. Automatically, because they're your children, you're emotionally vulnerable to them. You just can't sing songs and be happy when your children have heavy hearts. That's what family is. It's automatic. You can't help it. And it's not always fun, but that's family. But friendship, here's the thing. Friends are people who voluntarily, deliberately give themselves to that. To enter into their pain and struggle. Not because they're family and blood related, but because they're real friends. They're connected. They put themselves deliberately through that experience. Here's how you know you got real friends. They just can't go about singing happy songs when you are heavy hearted. Friends are emotionally sensitive to you. You're sensitive to them. Now, I know there are some people here, you're sensitive to everybody, okay? And everybody's sensitive to you. But uh, I'm not talking about that. You're not to everyone, but to your real friend. Because why? Because they know you. You know them. You know how they feel. And not just using you for a good time, but committed to you consistently there, but also connected to you emotionally. Christine Hoover, in her book, Messy, Beautiful Friendship, says this. We are afraid sometimes to enter into others' pain because we know it's possible we might say the wrong thing or we might not have the right answers. But mostly, I think we're afraid of the burden called adversity because a burden is a litmus test of friendship. And it asks us, are we willing to enter into someone's pain? It's emotionally draining. Emotionally draining. And this is why you can't have too many friends. It's hard. Consistent and connected. 
okay? Now, are, are you getting a real picture of, of this friend here in Proverbs? Let me ask you a question. Do you have someone like this in your life? Someone you value? Is this relationship important? Not just on the back burner, right? Someone that you have a common connection with, not just each other, but others? Something else, some, someone that's consistent, always there for you at all times, someone who's connected to you emotionally, understands you, not only understands but feels what you're going through. Do you have someone like this? Or let me flip it around. Are you someone like this for somebody else? Are you? It's hard and it's rare. No matter how many friends you have, Here's the point, no matter how many friends you think you have, how many moments you've shared, there's one thing, as I understand this passage, one thing that we all have in common. We have never had and have never been a perfect friend. We've never had and never been a perfect friend. Maybe even a good friend. Our friendships are never absent of disappointment. In some ways, in many ways, our friends have failed us and we have failed them. We've never had and never been a good friend like this. So let me just end with this hope and then we'll finish here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 to verse 19, Paul says this. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That in Christ God, he was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Maybe you've heard these verses before, but these verses, in one way, is all about making friends. Right? Jesus is all about friendship. Listen to these verses. What does it mean when he says that through Christ, he reconciled us to him. What does it mean to be reconciled? What is reconciliation? It means this. It means at one point you were an enemy, but now you're a friend. That's what it means to be reconciled. And Paul's there saying because of what Christ has done through Christ, he made us friends. Okay? Here's what we need to know. The gospel makes enemies of God into his friends. And God then calls us what? Friends. How? By becoming our friend. Not because we were good friends. Not because we were useful to him. But just the opposite. You were bad. Bad friends. You're not useful to him at all. And yet he sent his son who became like one another. He became like one of us. He connected, right? He connected with us. He identified us in our pain, in our hurts, in our sins and failures. He was a faithful friend all the way to the cross. Why? To bear our burdens even when his own friends abandoned him. Why? So that he might remove the sin and the barriers between us and him and call us friends. He's always with us, always in power and presence of his spirit, always available through thick or thin. He's consistent. 
always there for us. We were never great friends, but Jesus is the perfect friend who shows us what it means to be a true friend. Do you see? Jesus doesn't have to make us friends. We're not related to him by blood. He deliberately chose us to be friends, entered into relationship with us. Jesus is the friend we could never be, but we always need. He makes us his friends. So what do we do with this? What do, how do we respond to that truth? Paul says in the same passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, not only has he reconciled us to him, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of making friends. We make friends now because we've been made a friend. Listen to John chapter 15. This is what Jesus says. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no more than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servant, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. You hear that? Because you've been made a friend of God, he gives us now the ministry of making friends. And the only way that we're going to do this is we have his strength, his spirit working in our hearts to break down the walls that divide, okay? Pray for his grace to help us to be consistent, to help us to be connected and vulnerable at times and to treat our friends the way God treated us, not on the back burner, but a priority. As hard as friendships can be, as imperfect as we are, we are made for friendships. It's important. It's worth your time and effort, even the pain and the toil. And it's through friends that God continues to help us grow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. Um, we thank you that this Bible was uh, put together and written so long ago. And yet over and over again, in many ways, can be very relevant. We pray, Lord, no matter how modern we are, no matter how much technology we have, no matter how much science we know, that you are still the God of the universe. And you give us what we need the most through the very things that you've done through history, your word. And it tells us things. And we pray that your spirit would take those things to our hearts and minds, not just to understand intellectually, but to our heart of hearts to turn to you, to pray to you, to repent, to ask, to rejoice, and to consider, Lord, the friend that you are to us and the friends that we have around us and the friend we ought to be. We pray that you will continue to expand and to grow, to deepen, to flourish 
our relationships and to forge new ones. And we pray that you would use them, not just for our benefit, but for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.